This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. If you're like me, you spend lots of time pouring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. Welcome to the Truth From Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Spartan Forge. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 328. Today, I'm joined by Brent Hitz to talk Virginia public land and wind bumping bucks. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine on this uh, 22nd day of March. I think it's the 22nd. But it uh, feels like spring has finally sprung here in eastern PA, um, which is good for uh, 
good for the North Peace scouting, uh, but bad maybe for the for the local scouting since uh, Green Up is going to start really kind of popping. I, I did get a chance to get out yesterday um, and do a little bit of scouting. Actually, this past weekend was I got to do three of my favorite things, which is watch the uh, wrestling uh, national championship tournament. Basically watched that Thursday through Saturday. Penn State brought home a team natty and a couple individual championships, so that was awesome. And uh, was able to do some jujitsu uh, on you know Friday and and on Sunday, which was awesome. And then was able to actually get out and do some scouting locally. There was a piece. There were two. Well, actually, there were well, there's more than three, but there were kind of three pieces that were all kind of in this one general area that I had never scouted. I had had driven by, had looked at, uh, but never kind of had a chance to walk through. And they're not they're not too terribly big. It's just kind of um, maybe overlooked uh, spots might be one way to say it. And uh, and so this past weekend had a nice day on Saturday before the, uh, the national finals started that evening and was able to get out and kind of uh, and, and walk through these. And so I, I didn't have terribly high hopes. It's just one of those areas that kind of always in the back of my mind was like, man, you've never looked at those. You should probably go take a look at them. So I managed to make it through two of them. Um, and kind of give them a good a good sachet. I probably need one more session in that general area, and I'll feel like I kind of know if there's any good stuff there to be uh, to be found. Um, but some of this area is just so thick that you can't even walk through. Um, so I spent part of the part of the scouting session just kind of walking the edges of this stuff, trying to find a soft spot to get into it, and eventually finally did find a soft spot to to slip into where some of the thicker stuff was. Found a couple scrapes, and then I found I, I did find during the course of the entire day I found one really good, you know, what I would consider to be a community scrape. Um, you know, the scrape was dished out. There was a historical, you know, I don't, I wouldn't go as far as to say a signpost rub, but there was a historical, really good rub on a tree that had a dished out community scrape underneath of it, and that community scrape had. I think in my Instagram post or story, I mentioned that there was four licking branches, but I missed two that were off to the right-hand side. And so there's actually six licking branches. So there's almost like one giant scraper. You could almost consider it to be three different scrapes that all kind of connect under this one tree. And so I marked that, actually hung a camera on that. And uh, what I started doing a little bit differently with my camera hangs this year is I'm hanging a lot of them, even... SD card cameras, I'm hanging them with solar panels just so I don't have to go back in there because I honestly don't know when I'm going to get back into that spot um, to check it. it. It may not be till October, you know, till I till my, make my way back in there. And it might be one of those places I don't even get to, um, you know, this year. And I'm, it might have to just, you know, be a camera that hangs for the entire season until I get a chance to get, you know, to get in there, you know, this time next year uh, to pull the camera. Um, so I hung a, a, a SP18 um, solar panel on that and put that over the scrape. And so that setup uh, is good to go. And then as I was kind of scouting my way through, I ended up finding a couple really nice rubs uh, that weren't far off from this. So all this, you know, the whole time I, you know, walked yesterday and I walked, you know, the stuff that was probably the thickest and the best opportunity to kind of, you know, where, where mature deer or deer in general are going to want to spend time because there's some open hardwoods that's, that's around it. And I just avoid that stuff. The nice thing was, is I didn't see really any human sign in this particular area. And I actually found that a little bit surprising um, because just generally speaking, it's not a super hard area to get into, which is probably why the past couple of years I've kind of, I don't want to say I've ignored it, but just kind of overlooked it, but did not see really one stitch of um, hunter sign that was, that was in there. There was no ladder stands or bright eyes or anything like that. So I may have found a little, uh, 
a uh, a little gem spot. So that was kind of the highlight of the uh, of the weekend. No sheds were found, which is not surprising since I'm not a great uh, not a great shed hunter. But with that, we're gonna go ahead and just jump into today's show. I have a super uh, super rad show for you guys today. I have on Brent Hits. Brent is from um, Virginia. Uh, he's a Virginia public land hunter. He he actually hunts in and around some. You know, I'll just say kind of, I don't want to say suburban areas, but he, he, a lot of the hunting he does is on smaller parcel pieces of public land. And so we're not thinking of big woods necessarily in, 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 in today's session. It's probably more akin to what a lot of us have that's readily accessible. I know for me, you know, I like big woods hunting. That's what I do whenever I go to the North piece. But by and large, what I do around me locally is a lot more uh, akin to kind of what Brent is doing in, in, in Virginia, which is, you know, smaller parcels, a lot of, a lot of pressure, um, you know, where your probably best option is to play, you know, pinch points, funnels, you know, and maybe kind of timing, you know, the, the rut most specifically, you know, he's very much a, uh, a beast, uh, a beast disciple. And, and what I mean by that is, is, you know, there was a point in his hunting life where he found the hunting beast, like a lot of us probably have, and it really kind of changed the way he, uh, the way he hunted. And then all of a sudden from that point forward, um, he started seeing more and more success. And so what we talk about on this show is just his approach, you know, generally speaking to how he approaches, uh, his hunts, whether he's aggressive, not aggressive, you know, I don't want to say passive, but more observation. Um, and then also he had a, a, a run of four years in a row that he killed mature public land bucks in Virginia. And the area he's hunting in Virginia is very similar to kind of, you know, where I hunt in PA, there's a lot of pressure. So finding mature deer is just hard in general. And then killing them on public land, you know, is is even harder. And then to do it four years in a row on a mature deer on public land in that area of Virginia is uh, is no small feat. And that's what he actually got done. And so we talked through those four different hunts and how they kind of came about, how they were similar and how they were slightly different. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's show. And as always, I want to thank you all for listening. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today I have on a fella... Um, truthfully, it's like, I've, I've watched him on social media a little bit, but it was, uh, it was actually Greg Litzinger actually texted me the one day, or actually he messaged me on Instagram. I was like, man, you should have this guy on. He's like, he's had an incredible four year run on public land in Virginia and, uh, you should totally talk to him. And so I kind of checked you out and, uh, I was like, well, hell yeah, man. I was like, this guy <laughs> obviously knows what he's doing. And I'm talking about none other than Mr. Brent hits. What's going on, man? How are you? Good, good, good. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I, we were just talking before we started recording. Just glad the uh, glad the work day is over and my mind can finally wander back to uh, back to the white tail woods uninhibited, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I was telling you. Yeah, glad to be done after a a day of uh, of work and get back home. <laughs> That's right. That's right, man. So, how's things been going, man? Are you? Uh, how's your postseason scouting going? You be getting out in the timber, trying to lay your uh, lay your plans or lay your traps for next year? I am. Um, so basically, um, you know, there's a, a new place, um, piece of public and stuff that I'm, uh, you know, checking out. So, uh, tried to get in there a little bit and check things out before it kind of closed down. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, basically just looking forward to, uh, turkey season coming up. I think it opens up for us on the, the 8th of April. Okay. Um, I'll kind of be able to get back out there and uh i kind of use turkey season a little bit just to uh to scout i'll, I'll turkey hunt a little bit but it's mostly just scouting for deer. yeah yeah <laughs> no i totally get that i always say man i make no bones about it i am the world's worst turkey hunter admittedly and i'm and i'm proud of that badge because i essentially just use it as a reason to uh 
get out into the woods and, and look for some whitetail sign. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot easier for me to sell it to the family. Like, Hey, I'm going to go hunt. And it's like, Oh yeah, yeah, go hunt. But you know, uh, rather than, Hey, I'm just going to walk around the woods and try to find deer sign. It's yeah. a, a little more, more acceptable with the wife of actually hunting, you know, quote unquote. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> nice, man. So you're exploring. So like typically in the off season, are you like, how much time do you spend like dialing in previous spots that you have versus kind of going out and finding you know, brand new spots that you've never maybe been to before? Well, so the main, the main spot I hunt, I, I mean, I know it pretty well. Okay. So it's gotten to the point now where, and I think that's kind of led to some of the success that I've had, mm-hmm. but I know it fairly well. So I really don't have to dissect many new spots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's always spots that are coming and going, especially on the you know public land with, if someone got into it that year, um, you know, I might back off if I haven't been into a spot in a while, I might check that out. Um, you know, but I'm always, uh, you know, always on Google earth, uh, scouting and stuff on maps. Um, I'm real big into that. So, um, you know, that's kind of how it, how it goes, but you know, with the new piece I've been, you know, hitting, hitting the ground and, uh, you know, just trying to find different different spots uh, right. and get the lay of the land on, on some of the new spots. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, map scouting obviously is like one of the like most critical kind of pieces, especially if it's a brand new, brand new spot. Like what are you, you know, I know things that I like to look for and I know it's, it's dependent on, I guess the terrain of the area that I'm in and, and, and things of that nature. But you mm-hmm. know, what are you like, cause you know, I don't know. You know. Well, I guess we'll start with like how bigger, how big is, I don't want you to give like anything descriptive that might give away, your, <laughs> give away locations, uh-huh. but you know, like, give me a sense of scale. Are we talking like a piece of public that's like 500 to a thousand acres? Are we talking like 5,000 to 10,000 acres? Like what, just give me a sense of scale of the place. So, so I'll say this. So most of the stuff I hunt is basically on like the Eastern half of the, the state mm-hmm. in Virginia. So, um, I mean, it consists of some wildlife management areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those are out in the western part, but there are a few that are closer to the eastern part of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you got 95, and there's a bunch of military bases. There's like four military bases um, that you can have access to. Um, and then some of the counties will allow like their parks. You can hunt at their parks and things like that. Right. So that's, you know, I'm hunting majority i'm hunting one of those but that's what what i have access to basically okay so um it's it's not mountains it's not but we got we got a lot of hills and you know rolling hills and things like that um not many marshes or swamps but there are a few okay um and and that's actually worked out out for me in the in the past um one of those that i got that string of four was was off of that but um, you know, when I'm looking at the maps, I'm basically, so on Google earth, I don't know. So I'll, I'll do this. There's a little feature on Google earth where you can basically like enhance the terrain mm-hmm. or the, the hills. And so, um, you know, when you're not looking at mountains, it's hard to, you know, hone in on that, but right. if you increase the size of it, um, it, it just, they, they stand out. And so, um, just those little Southern, you know, subtle hills and things like that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be able to focus in on that and, uh, I'll notice a lot of like, you know, betting, betting spots and things. Um, and I'm, you know, constantly kind of marking that and I'll go check it. Um, but you know, that's kind of how I dive in with that. Right. So you're looking for, so when you're, 
I guess let me ask this. So what type of elevation change are you, are you dealing with? I'm guessing it's probably just like a couple hundred feet. Is that, is that, would that be correct? Yeah. If yeah. that, uh, if okay. that, so we're talking like, yeah, hundred feet, 150. Um, but it's, it's, it's amazing how just, even though the elevation change is not that much, <laughs> they still, you know, bucks will still use, you know, that as a, as a spot to bed to overlook things. Um, even if it's real subtle or small, um, and I, that's what I've noticed, at least for the, the trade I'm in. And so when you're doing your map scouting, like you're really kind of honing in trying to find like those subtle, just like variations in elevation as like, as your starting points, is that really kind of how you, like, I guess your starting point? It, yeah. I mean, it was more so like just, just over the years. So I've, mm. I've hunted this area for, you know, for a long time. Um, but it wasn't something that like happened overnight. So, um. I was real big into the, the hunting beast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners you yeah, know, for sure. know, for know sure. what that is. I always, I always say Dan, um, Dan's responsible for a lot of deer getting killed. <laughs> he is. He is for sure. So, you know, I dive into that and, and I'm just like, okay, over the years I'm putting things together. Like I'm always kicking something out, you know, on this little ridge or this little hill. Um, and so then you start checking it and yeah, there's, there's beds there. It's, you know, it's, it's accurate. And I was just surprised, I guess, to find out that even though the change isn't that significant, um, you know, and it's not hill country or anything like that, um, you're, you're still getting that. So, yeah, I mean, I focus in on that. Um, and, uh, you know, a million other things, but you know, that's one of the, you know, one of the things. Right. That'll be a place that maybe you start, you know, that'll, that'll be a, a reason why maybe your interest gets peaked for a spot, you know, it would be something like that. Yes. Um, yeah. Especially with the, with the, with the new ground and stuff. Um, right. Especially if where, you don't know anything I'm about start. the place, it's yeah. like, it's a good kind of like beacon if you will. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's interesting too, how you're kind of saying like over time, like you start to, you know, like, uh, you're, you know, you were hunting beast. I was kind of like to say like a, a hunting beast disciple, right? Like I am, I am too, you know, that's kind of, kind of how yeah. I, you know, whenever I started kind of actually, you know, getting into the type of deer I wanted to get into and killing the deer that I wanted to kill and stuff like that, it was because I really kind of, you know, was talking to Dan and, you know, was paying attention to the forum and, and you know, because of the podcast, I was able to have some conversations with him and stuff like that. And, and mm-hmm. that was when, you know, I guess I became kind of a disciple and I kind of took that approach to being a little bit more aggressive. You know, I, I wouldn't call myself a bed hunter necessarily. I, I'm, you know, I've, I will hunt close to bedding, but I'm not a sit on top of a bed type of, um, type of hunter. But what you kind of said was like picking little things out that you kind of, that you're noticing. Right. And that I think is like the framework of that hunting beast style. It's not a one size fits all. It's like, take the pieces that work for like your area and, and, and start adapting them and, and, and hone them in for the spot that spots that you're hunting. It's not a one size fits all. Cause I imagine a lot of people, if they're not in like regular hill, hill country, when they see these little kind of rises and stuff like that, they might discount them because it's like, well, how do you get three quarters of the way up? Something that's only like, like 50 feet tall, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like to get that like thermal tunnel or that little area where, you know, bucks are going to want to bed. But if that's all you have in the area, then it's, that's all relative, you know? And so that yeah. stuff kind of starts to hold true. And, I, and it sounds like that's what you were kind of seeing. Yeah. And it, the, the thermal tunnel thing, like that, that may happen in those little, you know, hundred foot drops that you have or 150 foot drops you have. But mm. I, I think more, it's just that they're, they're able to 
to see a little bit further right. than they would just laying up on a flat or laying down the bottom. Like they're just too vulnerable in those situations. I think they just get up on those, you know, those ridges and it ends up being about that, that third, right. um, especially kind of where I'm at. Right. Right. So, so, I mean, you found, you found the hunting beast and kind of, you know, started adapting things and, and things like that. But how did you get started hunting overall? I mean, did you grow up in a, in a hunting family? Was this just like a birthright or was it something you kind of picked up on your own? So, yeah. So my, my dad always, uh, my dad always hunted. And, um, so he was, uh, he was in the military and, uh, so he ended up in like Northern Virginia. Um, and we have like a, a cabin that we're a member uh, of in uh, Pennsylvania. Hmm, okay. So we'd go up there every year. Um, and, uh, it's like right in the middle of the state, like Amish country, okay, yeah. um, state college area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I got into it that way, just hunting once a year, uh, rifle season, but then he like switched over to, to bow and, uh, he got me into it at a real young age. And then that was it. Like I was just, you know, pretty much, you know, bow and arrow only, um, archery only. Um, and so we'll, we'll still go up there, but it's, it's, uh, it's more of just the, uh, camaraderie, uh, of the, of the cabin. Now it's not necessarily about the hunting. Right. Yeah. No, I can totally, uh, totally dig that. You know, that's the same thing for me. It's like, I'll go back home every now and then hang out with the guys. Um, you know, my father-in-law and stuff has a camp, you know, I, I started off very similarly, even though I was from PA, I didn't go to like, you know, PA specifically for a camp. We just had a family kind of, you know, cabin that we would all kind of go to and, and, and stuff like that. And so I started off, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, very much the same way. What was it about picking up a bow that kind of changed your perspective? Was there like a seminal moment, like, you know, in your hunting journey, when you picked up a bow that like sealed the deal for you that you were like, okay, yeah, this is the, this is all I want to do. Not, not really. Cause it would, cause it happened at such like a young age, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, it, you know, it was just something that, that I did. Um, I definitely liked the bow and that up close, you know, getting like, you know, right up close and personal. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, yeah. And then it was, then it was just, just evolved to like, you know, all right, this is, you know, you, you kind of grow up and I, I was seeing guys that I, you know, when I was a younger and then I'm like, how are they doing this? Right. And so then you know, hunting bees, stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, I want to be one of those guys. Let's, you know, let's like dive into it. And that's kind of how it, it, it evolved for me. Right. Um, I just got to a point where I was like, you know, if they're doing it, I can do it. And, you know, let's, let's figure it out. Um, and it just kind of evolved from there. Yeah. That's the cool thing about that approach. I mean, there's always, you know, things you need to know or understand or, you know, uh, uh, strategies, if you will, or just knowledge, right? Spending time in the woods, it's the best way to mm -hmm. get it, right? But there's a component of, you know, especially like beast style hunting, which is, you know, that willingness to just grind, you know what I mean? Like it's just, you know, it, yeah. it's not going to happen in a day. It may not happen in a season, but if you just keep putting your time in and paying attention to things, like it'll all start to, it'll all start to make sense at some point, right? There's always, mm -hmm. at least that's the way it was for me. And I'm curious for you if there was like, you know, when you're, as you were bow hunting, you were getting older and like when you found like the hunting beast and stuff like that, and you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to like, this is, I, I want to do what these guys are doing. Mm -hmm. Like, 
was there like one specific thing that when you figured that out, and I say figured out in a loose term, like, cause you'd never figure anything out wholly. Right. But like when you finally understood how to use a specific strategy or a tactic, was there one thing that kind of changed like your, your world? And for me, I'll give you an example. For me, it was like, I was playing the wind, but like, it wasn't until like I could finally like understand how to predict what the thermals were going to do in a spot in a relationship to the wind without actually being there. That's mm-hmm. when things changed. Like I can remember it was an Iowa hunt and I finally like it, it just, it just clicked. And then from there going forward, it was like my encounters went way up. I was always kind of set up in the right spot. Like it just changed my whole world. And for me, that was kind of like the one thing was like being able to know what was going to happen in that spot with, from a wind and, you know, thermal standpoint without having to be there. So I'm curious for you if there was like one thing that when you when you were like, man, when I finally figured this part out, like, man, the game got a lot easier or it made a lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, the wind, the wind is definitely a big thing. I mean, there's there's two main things, you know, the wind being one of them um, that I never, never even took into consideration, um, you know, when I was younger and and hunting. Mm-hmm. Um but so the wind was one. And then the other one was just getting into my location as quietly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether that just be going super slow, taking a creek, um, you know, but I used to not pay any attention to this. Right. Um, and I take it to the extreme now, maybe almost too much. Like, <laughs> so there's been a couple of times I've been, you know, I'm going in and uh, evening hunt or something like that. And, I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, all right, I got another 150 yards to go. I still need to get set up in the tree. Uh, I'm only going to have like less than an hour to hunt. I need to pick it up a little bit here. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, right. But I noticed from doing that, um, I mean, I would, I'll walk in on deer now. That never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think the average hunter is just cutting through the woods way yeah. too quick. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're kicking and blowing everything out before they even, you know, before they even get there. Um, I'll be setting up a lot now and have deer kind of come in. Um, I posted something on, on Instagram where I'm like up in the, like at the bottom of the tree and I've barely set up yet. And I got deer coming in and I take out the camera and I'll film them and stuff, but it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens way more than it, than it used to. Um, and just not kicking deer out and keeping them close to where you are. Um, I mean, that's just a big, big advantage right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you don't have to go find them then, (laughs) you know what I Mm -hmm. mean? Like if you're, if you're, if you're hunting where you know there are and you can be quiet enough to get in to be around them, then they're usually never too far away. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How, how much are you, so what does your access look like? Cause it sounds like, you know, with the, with the patience that you have in terms of how you get into like a, a tree or whatever the case is like, I imagine like you're probably pretty methodical about your access too. Cause I can't imagine someone would take that much time and go that slow and not be paying attention to like their access overall, their entry and exit. Yeah. So, I mean, like, as you mentioned, like with the wind, so it's, I'm not only looking at like where the wind, like what, what direction the wind's blowing for that hunt, but it's all the things that go into that with, with the wind. So like, where's my scent blowing as I'm walking in and, um, you know, is my scent going to be blowing in the bedding areas? Um, you know, where's my scent going when I'm on stand? And then, you know, like you mentioned, the, the is it swirling? How are the thermals 
playing in that area. Um, but I mean, access wise, like I do some, I do some weird things. Like, so we got, you have parking areas at any public place. Right. Um, you know, I'll, sometimes I'll go in and just loop around. Sometimes I'll just walk, you know, right along, you know, the road and then cut in, um, I'll circle back, um, you know, kind of anything, you know, to kind of just change it up a little bit. And, uh, you know, but it's all, it's all based on, on the wind and what the wind's doing. So, right. So when you go in, you know, for, let's just say an evening hunt, right. And, you know, cause there's different schools of, of, of thought for this, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, well, I guess the first question would be like, I'm assuming you're always usually hunting in and around a bedding area, right? Would that be a fair, a fair assumption or is that, does that change throughout the year for you? Um, it, yes and no. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's, it's tough just in general with the, the, the terrain that I'm hunting. So because it's more of like a suburban areas, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's no agriculture. Okay. So there's, there's no cornfields. There's no, it's just, just woods. It's, it's as close as you can get it to, you know, like, um, you know, just big woods hunting, yeah. but in a suburban setting, cause there's no ag. Right. Um, so some of the, you know, spots are big. Some of them are, are, are smaller, but, um, Yeah, and what what were you getting at? So it's uh, <laughs> yeah, no. So the, the the question was really just you know I'm, I'm I'm assuming that you're trying to hunt bedding areas for the most part, but I was just curious if that changes throughout throughout the season because I had a question about just like how you use the wind wind for entry, you know, that might be a little bit different. But I wanted to get a sense of like the type of areas you were hunting, like what type of kind of you know uh, situations you were set up in. No, yeah, that's right. So that's where I was going with it. So. Um, because there's, there's no like agriculture, there's not like super defined bedding spots. There's, there's areas where they'll bed because it's, it's thick. Um, but it just changes up so much, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and the bedding is so sporadic, at least that's what I've seen, um, that I'm more focusing instead of like bedding areas, just areas where I think the deer you know, are, are held up are going to be congregating um, during that particular time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can, so, I can totally relate to that. Cause there's some suburban stuff like around me that I've hunted. Uh, and I still hunt and that's kind of how it plays out too, where it's like one year. I mean, I had daylight pictures out the wazoo between like 12 and two, like almost, mm-hmm. you know, daily. And I knew that they were betting like in that spot, you know, fast forward to the next year. And like the, 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 the subsequent three years after that. And it's like a freaking ghost town in that particular mm-hmm. spot. You know what I mean? It's like, they just up and left for whatever re for whatever reason, like there was no major change, you know, it, it didn't matter. There was one small like crop field that wasn't too far away. And, mm-hmm. uh, even as it rotated, I thought maybe there was something to do with the crop rotation, but it didn't matter what year it was. It all of a sudden, like the deer just were gone in that particular spot. And so I totally get what you're saying. So the question I was going to ask is, you know, when you go in for your access, cause you were talking about like paying attention to the wind, like sometimes, you know, um, like for me, for example, it's like, I might go in knowing that 
like there probably aren't going to be deer in that general area. Maybe as I'm walking in or especially if I don't think it's close to like super close to bedding and mm-hmm. I might walk in with the wrong wind because I'm setting up so the, for the wind to switch as it's switching throughout the day. So the wind is right for me to hunt it whenever I think the deer are going to come through. And so yeah. do you play, because it's like those small lots, like you almost have to start to think about like, especially if they're not betting there, it's like, cause it's more of a transition game than at that point. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to kind of set up for the transition. So the wind might be wrong at noon, but it's going to be right at three, but I need to be there before three. Cause if not, then I'm going to be screwed with the wind. So do you, is that yeah. a game you play as well? It, yeah, I guess not, not as much. Um, but I mean, I'm just, I'm just really honing in on like how, just making sure that I'm not, my wind's not blowing into areas where I think the deer are going to be coming from. Okay. Um, so I'll try to walk through like the biggest open timber in the woods. Um, and, you know, sometimes it takes me, you know, a different route around. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm just, yeah. Yeah. You're fo- that, you're that, focusing on, you're focusing on the wind as it, as it lies in, as you're walking in is like what you're fo- making sure that I know there's supposed should be deer in this particular area. I'm going to do everything I can to avoid my wind blowing in that general direction. Cause I think that's where they're held up. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, the most part, yeah. yeah, I mean, even though you're not hunting quote unquote bedding areas all the time necessarily, like you're almost hunting those places like bedding areas to a degree. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. cool. That makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. So, you know, given all that, man, how was your, uh, how was your most recent, how was, uh, the, the 2022 season for you? How did things uh, shake out? So it wasn't, uh, wasn't like, uh, the, the past years. Um, <laughs> I had, one opportunity early on um on a nice buck and um it was i think it was opening day um i think i I was either in there on opening day or i was it was the day before opening day and um got into a spot and no one had been back back in there and kind of opposite from where most of the the access would be from um so i I just got into this little spot and had a buck come in and had no idea that he was that he was in there um but the area always has you know big deer and i've had Mm -hmm. i've had trail cam pics of of deer in there and i think i posted something where i had like three bucks fighting on a trail camera nice um and that was probably about two years ago. So there's just, you know, there's deer, you know, good bucks in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden I see him and he's behind me a little bit, catches my wind a little bit and he comes up this little ridge and, and goes off. Um, so didn't get, you know, super spooked out of there. Um, so again, also I'm very mobile with what I do. So, um, the next day I'm in there again and I adjust to where he's coming, you know, where I think he's, he's going to then go. Cause mm-hmm. I think he's still going to come back. He didn't get spooked out of there, uh, you know, very much. And I know the direction that he, that he came from, or at least based on how I entered and where he came from, I'm just making an educated guess. Right. So, um, sure enough, he 
comes in again and I'm basically on like the south side of this gully and he comes up this this ridge but he's on the north side of the gully and he's probably about you know 45 yards away and with it being early in the season there's just no way to get shot through there so I was about 15 yards uh you know off um and so that was kind of my one opportunity this year um at something and uh so, but just, you learn, right? You learn, right? Right? Exactly. The uh, is that is that pretty normal for you know the area in Virginia that you're that you're hunting in? Because I always say for me in Pennsylvania, like even if I don't fill a tag, if I get one close encounter within bow range of a mature deer in PA, that's about as good as it's going to get. Like for me in this in this particular area, there's some other areas that I hunt, you know, that are a little further north. They have better deer, but it's also a lot larger woods to where finding them is, is a challenge. So like, that's kind of my criteria. It's like, man, if I even see like one mature animal in bow range during bow season, mm-hmm. like that's pretty good. That's pretty good, you know, season for me just in general. Is it, is it kind of similar to where you're at or do you, is, are the deer numbers, you know, better caliber of deer better or, or how would you describe that? Um, I mean, there's no, there's no, uh, there's really not many slammers in Virginia. Um, at least on that, like, you know, the Northern Virginia area, um, you know, there's a few, I would say like the biggest ones are maybe in the one fifties, one sixties, but that's like few and far between. Right. So, you know, if you're getting something in the one twenties, that's, that's good. So, yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll take, you know, seeing stuff too. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, exactly. It's a great way to say it, I mean, I'll take seeing stuff too. You know, it's yeah, for sure. So for sure. And, beats, beats the alternative. <laughs> yeah. And I used to not see, I used to go seasons without even, even seeing, you know, uh, a shooter buck, buck of that caliber, a yeah. shooter buck. So, um, you know, that those, those odds have definitely increased and, uh, you know, throughout the years. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny, you know, how you go through those, um, you know, those, uh, those learning pains, especially, you know, for anyone out there who's listening, maybe they're a younger person or whatever that's, you know, maybe just finding the, you know, the hunting beast or the beast style, like for the first time or, or whatever, it's, it's a hard kind of transition to make. Like you, you might go seasons without really seeing a good buck until like it starts to make, starts to make sense. Like that's not, that's mm-hmm. not abnormal, you know, and way I always kind of thought about it was, you know, a lot of times if I wasn't seeing deer, I always kind of felt like, especially if I was reading the sign and being diligent about like the woodsmanship aspect of it and stuff like that was, was even though I'm not seeing a lot of deer, I feel like I'm in the right spot to see the right deer. It's just my, yep. my timing's not right. Like I'm just, I haven't quite got it dialed in yet, you know? And mm-hmm. then once I started dialing it in and I still would go sits without seeing deer, but usually when I do, it's usually the one that I wanted to see, you know? Yeah. And so you have to kind of make a decision at some point. Do I want to see a lot of deer or do I want to see good deer? You know, cause you, you set up in two very different places to do, to do either one of those things in my, mm-hmm. in my kind of uh, experience. So would that be, would you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's times where I'll, I'll dive into something and it's like, he's either going to be here. Or he's not going to be here, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna, not gonna go to this one spot just because, you know, I know there's going to be a whole bunch of deer coming through. Like I'm trying to go after, you know, a bigger buck. So, um, 
you know, you just kind of either, you know, you know, you're either going in or, or you're, and you get something or it's bust. So. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm curious, man. Do you, um, knowing that like some of those hunts are, you know, all or nothing, you know, where it's like, I'm going in, it's either, you know, a good buck or, or bust. Like I'm probably not going to see anything or I'm going to see one that I'm wanting to shoot. You know, how often do you target like a specific deer at any time? Or are you more of like an opportunistic kind of bow hunter where it's like, I have a caliber in mind that I want to kill and I'm going to hunt in spots where I either know or think based on trail camera data sign, whatever the case is that there might be, one to two to three in this particular area that I'm willing to shoot? Or do you try to hone in on like a particular deer during the course of the season and be like, this is the one I'm going to try to kill? So not a, not a particular deer. There's been very few times where I've been like, okay, identified a buck and that's what I'm, that's what I'm going after. Mm-hmm. I've had opportunities and over the course of several years on a particular buck. Um, but no, I would say because I kind of have a good idea of, you know, real good idea of the, the area I'm hunting, I know where good deer are going to show up mm-hmm. and I, I know where they're kind of at and hiding out. And, um, you know, so a little bit of that I'll take, you know, I'll put trail cameras out. I'd normally use that for the next year. So I'll be like, okay, we got some, some good bucks in this area. We got some good bucks over here. Um, you know, and I'll focus in on, on that, but yeah, there's only been a few times where I've kind of honed in on a specific buck and tried to go after it. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, it's, you learn from those, those mistakes because yeah. I have not got it done doing that. Yet. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's usually hard. It, it ends in heartbreak in, in my, in my experience. And it's, it's happened to me, uh, two different times. Like one was several mm-hmm. years ago. And, uh, I, at that point I vowed to not chase a single, like a particular animal anymore. Um, and then not this past year, this past year, there was one in particular I was trying to kill because he was the only one in the area that I knew of, um, at least local to me, that was of the caliber that I wanted to kill. And I saw Mm -hmm. him at 40 yards bedded for two hours and just never got a shot. And, um, but the year prior there was a, a hammer deer and I was, and there was a couple good deer that I had on camera in 2021. And, and I usually don't do this, but there was one in particular that I just had me like enamored. And I was like, and he was just like, he was so killable. Like he was just doing all the stuff you want him to do to be killable. And, and this leads me into kind of my, my next question for you. Like I I'm usually pretty aggressive, like usually, especially mm-hmm. hunting public land. If I know there's a deer in the area that even just shows up once in daylight and depending on the time of year, if I think he's going to be somewhat consistent, I will go right in and try to kill him. And I might try to hunt it maybe two, maybe three times in different kind of spots. And if I blow him out, I blow him out because there's so much hunting pressure in PA. Someone else is going to bump in where he might get killed or whatever. This particular deer, uh, he was one of those ones that had me so kind of enamored that I was kind of moving away from my own kind of like personal approach that I like to take. And I was being really patient and I was like, all right, he's Mm -hmm. really consistent. He's like five minutes before daylight at this community scrape, like two days in a row. And I'm going to lay back because it's not quite right yet. I feel like I've got like a couple more days and then it'll be like the right time. The net of the, the net net of the story was, is I hunted him on a couple different occasions where like I showed up, I hunted him in, in, in an evening, like after work, 
you know, from like whatever time, four to like six o'clock or something like that, whatever time it got dark, that time period, this was October. Mm-hmm. And he was there the next morning at seven 30, you know what I mean? Like missed him by a couple hours and I hunted a different spot the next day, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. I didn't want to be in there two days in a row. And mm-hmm. then there was another scrape. I knew that he was on that. I went to hunt him on and I hunted him, you know, that morning, I think it was, and I got down to move spots or something like that. And he showed up like, I got down at like noon and he showed up at four, you know, that day, yeah. like, and so I missed him multiple times and, it drew, and then he, I never saw him again. Like I assumed someone killed him because I just never had him on camera again. And that was yeah. me kind of going back on like, I probably would have killed him whenever he showed up the first time in daylight. Cause it was at the very beginning of the season. And he was in this particular area. It was loaded with acorns around a community scrape. And that's why it was in there. And he was bedded not far away. So mm-hmm. leads me to my question. So for you, your hunting style, like, would you consider yourself to be a more aggressive hunter or a more patient hunter? So if you had that same type of scenario, how would you, how would you have approached that? So the, because it's so pressured where I'm at, um, there's going to be someone that comes in and, and, and blows them out of there. So I am if i if i get eyes on on something i'll be in there the next day or the next day i'm off from work um i'll be i'll be right in there again so um in that that regard i would say that i'm pretty aggressive if i see something that i that i'm trying to get um but probably more i, I guess laid back when when i'm not seeing okay. something so you, it almost feels like you like to have a vigil or a confirmation or proof of life. Bef- and then once you get proof of life, then you're, it's all in. Yeah. I mean, you could say that you could say that, but, um, I mean, very rarely has that, has that, has that happened for okay. me? Like, I, I mean, most of, most of the spots and I mean, I'll admit like a lot of these, these bucks that I'm getting are during the rut. Um, okay. but it's because it's because I know the area and know where you know where the action's kind of going to be mm-hmm. um but yeah so i'm thinking this one so there was one probably two years ago um he came in with he came in behind like two other young bucks and the younger bucks went to this scrape and they were they were hitting it um he came in and he was probably like 60 yards away and he did not hit the scrape at all. He kind of stayed, it was almost like he was like, he didn't need to hit the scrape. Yeah. He, he um, he's too old. I don't he, know. He, he was, played, he, he's played that game before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was just, you know, checking it, and checking it or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And, and he went off. So again, you know, next day I'm, I'm in there again. And, um, I just couldn't, he knew I was in that area. He knew. And so, um, I mean, it can, it can work diving in like that. Um, you know, but, and I adjusted a little bit to where I needed, you know, needed to be, but, um, you know, I didn't get eyes on him again, but heard some stuff right at dark and, right. um, you know, that was, you know, game over after that, but. Right. But, but I mean, it makes sense. Like, you know, cause I was actually going to, I'll, I'll ask you the question cause I kind of had a hypothesis, but you know, what is like, what is your preferred time frame to, to 
to try to kill a uh, to, to try to kill a good buck in your area? Is it? I mean, is it rut? Is it you know October? Is it you know? Well, I don't know when your season opens in Virginia, but it, you know, is it early season, late season? What's you know? What's your favorite kind of primo time? Um, so we buck season opens in October, October, you know, the first Saturday in October. Okay. Um, and it runs through like sometime in January. It's a pretty lengthy season. Um, so it's just, it's again with the, the areas that I'm, that I'm hunting. Um, it seems to be hard to, I mean, it's hard to get on bucks for early season anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, things seem to pick up mid October. Um, I really like mid October. I see a lot of, of action pre-rut but yeah um, you, you and i are going to be buddies i think because <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's my like favorite that's my favorite time in pennsylvania at least i mean i travel a fair amount to go yeah. to state and hunt and stuff like that and that's usually always like a rut trip or something like that but mm-hmm. like it's it's usually i get the woods to myself a little bit you know what i mean there's not as many people out because it's not as a f- as as favorable of a time because you really have to know a little bit more of what's happening in the woods to make that time work you know, mm-hmm. at least that's what I've found. And like, you know, I, I hunt around a lot of scrapes and so I've just watched them for several years, you know, and I start to time them whenever the activity picks up because there's, there's a cadence to it. I've found, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there'll be different dates, you know? And so I know like certain dates in certain areas pop off and, you know, so that's like my, my favorite time to be in the, in the white, in the white tail woods. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to derail. I just got super excited to, to <laughs> that someone else also likes that time. So. Yeah, I mean, just again, observations over the years. Like I've seen a ton of, not a ton, but I've seen bucks, you know, fighting, Mm -hmm. and it's it's normally earlier than I think people think. Um, And they're you know they're getting that territory, and um, you know, especially if you got two bucks in one area, Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think that's where you get a ton of sign popping up too. If you got two bucks, you know they're they're fighting, going after it, they're laying down their sign um you know if you're finding that mid-october um you know you're pretty good i had a a a buck i sat there and just you know videoed it and i never took a shot at it and um probably should have this was probably like five years ago Mm -hmm. six years ago and uh i think it was mid-october then and he was um there were some fresh scrapes in the area and i came in and noticed them and i was like let me do, I don't do a ton of calling, but I just did a, you know, a little bit of like light rattling mm-hmm. and it was mid October and I fired him up because he came in, he makes this, you know, makes a couple of scrapes as he's coming in. And I was like, eh, I'm going to hold off. It was right about that time frame that I was starting to be a little bit more pickier. Right. And shot yeah because that's um, a cool that's a cool hunt. like i always say like it's either the caliber of deer i want to kill or it's the story <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean where it's you know because my buddy greg he killed one a couple years ago uh maybe it was two years ago it might have been three i think it's two years ago and he and he killed the the buck. i mean it was a good buck you know don't get don't get mm-hmm. me wrong but it's usually it's it was probably something in like most other years he probably would have just passed in, in general right if the deer would have came in by himself or whatever but yeah. that deer came in and he watched like two bucks just like throw down, you know, I forget how long he said it was, but it was like abnormally long, just like knock down, mm-hmm. drag out, like almost to the death kind of fight like that you would see in like Texas or something. Yeah. And he was yeah. like, he's like, after that, he was like, he gave me a shot. He's like, I had to kill him. 
You know, he was like, <laughs> he left me, he left me no choice. You know, yeah. it's like, but, uh, yeah, man. It's, yeah. I've uh, seen him, I've seen him just, you know, they'll be, you know, sparring a little bit. And then I've seen that, that knockout fight and it's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're just tearing through the woods. They're going up ridges. They're going down. They're in the bottom there. And for, they, they took a break, came back at it. The whole thing lasted like 20, 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's crazy when they really get after it. Yeah. Cause it, it's different than whenever they're just tickling tines, like, you know, yeah. prepping, you know what I mean? For the, for the throwdowns that are going to happen. And whenever they decide to get after it, man, it's, it's, it's no holds barred. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. a steel cage match, you know, for sure. Yep. The, uh, so man, I want to jump into this four year run you've had, dude. Cause like, you know, you've, uh, you had a, a run of four years on public of 2018, 2019, 2020 and 2021, you know, and it sounds like you're hunting in like pretty pressured areas. Cause it's, you know, in and around some suburbs and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so I just wanted to kind of talk about each year and kind of how each one of those played out and just get the deets, man, because I mean, killing deer four years in a row is, is hard enough. Or, you mm-hmm. know, and then throw in the fact that, you know, you're doing it in high pressured areas, you know, on public land, like that's just, that's not easy to do, you know? And so I just kind of wanted to see how each one of these play out. If you're, if, uh, if you're game for it, sound good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, so let's, let's start with 2018. Let's go in the way back machine. We might be taxing your, your memory here, but how, did, <laughs> <laughs> what was, uh, how did that one kind of play out? And then I'll kind of lob some questions in as we go. Okay. So, um, he, I mean, he might, this one might be the, the biggest one that I got. Um, although let's see, 2018, 2019, the one that I got in 2000, I think was, was pretty good. He doesn't have all the little kickers and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, this, so this one kind of got started off. So, I mean, again, I know the area pretty well. And so from observations in the past, there always seems to be a lot of rut activity in there. And, um, it's it's an area that i mean you could say it's kind of overlooked mm-hmm. um it, it also kind of funnels down into a little bit so you have a road on let's just say like the north side and then on the south side that's where all your 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 access is mm-hmm. and it's all kind of funnels down into a strip of woods that's maybe like 150 to 200 yards um you know, at its widest point. But again, I've always noticed a ton of, you know, rut activity in there. There's scrapes, there's um, always a few rubs in there. And um, I basically kind of where it pinches down the the most, um, I just set up in there. So that would be the most kind of like funnel, you could say that I've, that I haunted. Um, And I don't know if you've noticed this. I've noticed this a, a bunch. So I'll have deer bucks. They'll be bedded, whether it's off of a funnel or off of a, you know, a known doe trail or, um, just a travel corridor. I've had them sit and they'll just sit there and watch that trail and does will go by and they will go down, check where that doe was, and then either go back and sit down mm-hmm. Or they'll continue after it if it's a, you know, hot dough. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because like I used to, I used to not think about that a whole lot and it wasn't until yeah. I talked to, I think it was John Eberhardt. I was talking to him one, 
one day. I think it was either on the podcast or maybe we had a phone call or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about, cause you know, I, I kind of, the way I hunt is very much a combination of like John and Dan, right? Like yeah. it's that beast style. Like I, I do like to move a lot. I'm, I'm somewhat aggressive, but I also, I hunt a lot of primary scrape areas just like, like John does. Like that's mm-hmm. like his, you know, favorite kind of setups, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And what he was kind of telling me was, you know, to pay attention to was that, especially if you're hunting like a more mature deer for your area. And that's just, and I say that, you know, it's relative, right? So in PA, like where I live, a mature deer would be four and a half. Cause we don't get much, we don't get very many deer in this area that would get older than that. I might only find maybe one, maybe two of those a year in this particular area. Mm-hmm. Right. And he was like in and around those, you know, community scrapes and stuff like that. He's like, a lot of times he's like, there will be a rut bed that's not far away. He's like, because that mature deer, especially if it's a good community scrape close to doe bedding, he's like, he's going to park his butt there and he's just going to wait for does as opposed to spending energy trying to find them. Like he already knows where yeah. they're at. He's like, why wouldn't he just lay down and wait for them to come by him? You know? And so I mm-hmm. noticed it happened this year. That was actually what that buck did. He came and bedded just downwind about 40 yards of a scrape that I was hunting. And that's, yeah. and that's where he was at. And then there was a bed in this area in Ohio that there was this big scrape that always popped off every year. You know, I, I, I presumed it was a community scrape just by the activities that got action all year round. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like, I, I knew of that scrape for probably three years. And it wasn't until I, ha- I, I scouted the backside of this ridge finally and 60 yards below that scrape on the downwind side of that scrape on that ridge was a giant buck bed. And yeah. so I was like, oh my God, how many times have I walked by this and there have been a buck lay- <laughs> laying there, you know what I mean? Because I was hunting somewhere else, like something to intercept on the way to that scrape, but he was actually mm-hmm. down the other side and actually just bedded waiting for does to walk by to, to scent check them. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, a long way of saying like, yeah, I've totally seen that. And as I've been paying more attention to it, I've, I see it more often. Yeah. And, and the, and the first time it happened, I, I didn't put two and two together. Mm-hmm. I mean, these does go by, I don't even know that there's a buck bedded there. These does go by, he just comes down, starts sniffing around and then he walks up the ridge 20 yards and beds back down. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm like, okay, now I can see where he's bedded. Um, and again, never really put two and two together, but then fast forward, um, you know, to this buck, same thing kind of, kind of happened. Um, <laughs> doe came into this, you know, this funnel and all of a sudden, you know, so she walks by and then all of a sudden I see, you know, he pops up and he had actually been, he had, it was probably like maybe 45 minutes before closing time and he had gotten up and he was just in this one area and would not not move he just stayed in this little 20 yard pocket <laughs> but that's all it took was that doe to come through and and then he just he followed her so that time i got lucky it was a hot doe and not not one that wasn't and right. um yeah it was he came right by at like 15 yards nice um, and yeah. that was that so nice but i mean you put yourself in that spot right i mean he was just you know. Yeah, and it goes it, it it goes back to just that that previous I guess knowledge that I had. Mm-hmm. There was I was probably in my like early twenties, and I had gone into the same general area, um, very very close. And I'm sitting there, I just stand on my back. It was the big like API stands mm-hmm. and uh, climbers, and this doe comes 
again, kind of through that, that funnel area. And I got this stand on my back. I draw back and I shoot this doe and she goes, runs, runs off. And I finally like drop the stand off my back, put everything down. And then here comes this buck. He was nice, <laughs> but you know, back in those days, I really wasn't too focused on, you know, I was just like, okay, get a deer. That's, you're just, that's yeah, you cool. were just, you were just killing deer at that point. Yeah. 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 And so the, the, all the area has kind of always just been, a, a, you know, a rut, rut area. Everything just, I, I think those maybe congregate to that area. And so mm-hmm. then it brings in the bucks, but, nice. um, you know, that was that one. So. Awesome. So let's fast forward now to to 2019 what what happened this year did you so the buck in 2019 did you know about this deer previously or or anything or was this more of like you know kind of scouting your way in or how how did this hunt play out so um again it was an area that i had had always seen bucks and this so when i said i think i said earlier like there's one swamp um and it, I mean, a very small swamp, um, but this would, would be the closest, you know, to, to Dan, Dan style, I guess, where he just dives into the swamp. Right. So I had hunted previous years, kind of looking into this swamp. And again, you know, back in my like early twenties and stuff, I'd always seen some big deer coming out of it and had an opportunity one time. And never put two and two together and then you know you start getting on the the hunting beast and things and then you're like wait a second there's a reason that deer's coming from there um you know so and it it is hard to get in there mm-hmm. um no one's your average hunter's not going going in there and so it was the first time i kind of was like all right let me dive into this this swamp and it's i would say maybe like 150 200 yards mm-hmm. and then it just backs up into like marshes and water um okay so i dropped down in there and i'm almost contemplating leaving because i can't find a tree in there mm-hmm. um and that's your problem with with swamps but right. there's, yeah there's, there's one few and far between yeah and yeah. so again i know bucks are, are are bedded in there um and so I just, I find the one tree that I can get into, um, I was probably only like 12 feet off the ground. Um, I had to like break a couple little branches as quietly as possible going, going up there to get, you know, a shooting lane. Cause mm-hmm. this particular tree had just limbs coming out everywhere. Right. Um, but it worked out cause it was good cover too. So, um, yeah, so this, this buck comes in, um, and the funny thing with this one is so he comes in and I can hear him off um, and he's rubbing this, this bush. Um, Cause there's not many trees in there that you can rub, but he's, uh, he's rubbing this bush and he comes, he comes through this opening and he's got this like, hay <laughs> hay stuff and half of this, his, this bush on his rack and he looks massive. <laughs> <laughs> But half of his rack, like you can't see because it's covered up by this stuff. So, um, he, he came in, but so I shot him. It was probably, and it's not the biggest deer, but it was, it was just that first hunt where I kind of was like, all right, I've seen stuff in here. I, I know there's deer in here. Let me dive in, um, try to be as quiet as possible and, 
you know, and had something come out. So that's awesome. Um, what what time yeah. of year was what time of year was that deer? Um, I think that one was like the day before. It was either the last day or the second to last day of October. Okay. Nice. So right around that Halloween time. Nice. Yeah, that's uh that's yeah that's a prime that's a prime time so what uh like did you have an idea like where about this deer was potentially bedding in that swamp or were you was it more of just a like so i knew he's the, in there somewhere the it's again it's such a small area so you're kind of talking i would say 100 150 by 300 is okay. this total swamp before it just goes back either into hardwoods or out into just um you know like cattails and water so um and only half of that area is actually huntable um so you can't really you can't go all the way back there um and there'd be no reason to because you end up picking everything out but so um no i didn't know he was back there um i just knew that it was it holds it holds deer and in public land it's a place that that guys aren't going and it's, it's where they're going to be hiding at that time. Frame. And, and rightly so, right? Like there wasn't really a tree or much of a tree to get into. And so, you know, that's, that's for me, that's always kind of like a good sign. If I find a spot that has a little bit of deer sign that there aren't really trees that get into them, usually like, yeah, it's just a matter of like what time, what, what time of year should I be in the spot? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, like there, you're not getting a climber in any of those trees. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being mobile and having that type of setup is, is key in that situation. I think. Yeah. Nice. There's one spot. It's not a swamp, but it's, it, it reminds me as you were kind of describing it, like a, a new spot that I found this year. I didn't, I hunted it maybe, I think twice in very early October, I hunted it from the ground. I was really just trying to kill a doe cause it looked, it, it set up like a really good rut spot. That was mm-hmm. kind of what I, I assumed just based on the sign that was there and stuff like that. And, uh, like to what you were saying, like the area that the deer were going to want to kind of move through, there wasn't really any trees to get into, you know, there's a bunch of cedars and stuff like that. And, and that was about it. And, um, and I didn't hunt it all during the rut. I was, I was away. And so when I pulled that camera here just a couple of weeks ago, you know, I didn't, I didn't have, but one good deer all year that I knew of. And that was the one that had the encounter with, but the second deer mm-hmm. I had was in that spot. That was a, a really good buck. It was, he showed up like three times, uh, during like the first two weeks of November. I, I think it was actually the first week of November, three different times. And yeah. it's one of those areas you're kind of talking about where it's like, there's no human sign around it. It's actually not that hard to get into, but it's just, there's not a lot of, there's really not really any huntable trees around it. And if you do get into a tree, like the shooting is, is crap. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, so you kind of have to hunt it from the ground for the most part. Yeah. Um, and it's not surprising why you know, I saw deer in there all the time, like those just hanging out in there during, during daylight, like they're bedded not far away from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just, a, it's just one of those spots where they're, they're always going to be coming out of there and there's no way for them to come out the back end. Like I said, because it's, it's water and stuff, but right. so, and I went in there this year and, uh, you know, had a ton of does coming out, but you know, no, no bucks, but, um, once, once a year I'll hunt it and then, and then I'm out. <laughs> right, right, right. So let's move to, uh, so you, you've knocked down two in a row now. Let's go to uh, 2020. How did the, uh, how did that year or that season play out? Or that um, year, I guess. 
Yeah, so 2020. So that book, um, this one was interesting because um, I posted this one on uh, on my uh, my Instagram on social media. <laughs> so I, this was a, a spot where um, basically the access. I will come in and I'll basically just do almost like a big C shape. Mm-hmm. and almost circle back around to um you know to the to the parking area hmm. um and you can you can cut in from the parking area probably like probably 100 yards and get to where I'm going but it's that's where the thickest part of the area is. so again Got i it. think yeah those are you know those bucks are kind of up in that area and so um i won't uh you know I'll take the long way around. Yeah. But so I looped in and, uh, you know, it's off of this, it's off of a, a main road. Um, and so you have to be like a hundred yards away from the road. So, you know, kind of get right up into that, that spot that I can be in. And, um, had I, and what's weird is, so I almost think when you, when you come in and I, I you do like a big C shape, so I'm, basically walking through and the scent blows my scent blows uh like northwest is the Mm -hmm. predominant wind um so as i'm coming in my scent is literally blowing into the area Hmm. it's blowing into where i'm gonna hunt and so but because i'm circling then all the way around instead of the deer coming out then and going to the north they come down towards the road and they go to to the south um, at least that's how it's played out a bunch of right. times. So I'm almost like wind bumping them. Like as I yeah. come in, like, Hey, we're not going to go this way. We just smelled somebody up that way. Um, you know, so we're going to go when it's an evening time, we're going to go the other way. Right. Um, so I had all these does around me, um, in the evening for probably about, you know, 45 minutes and it gets pretty close to closing. And, um, again, it's just an area that I know well. I know there's good bucks in, in, in there. Um, I've had trail cam picks and stuff like that. So like I said, I normally don't do a ton of calling and things like that, but because there were does in the area, um, it was around rut. So I did like, just like a last ditch snort, snort wheeze. Mm-hmm. And it's only happened once, but this something just comes tearing up <laughs> this little <laughs> ridge. And, uh, I think it only works because you had, he was monitoring, I think those does, right. I couldn't see him from where he was, but, um, so he had an eye on them and he's like, okay, someone, someone else is here. Like this thing happened. Someone's trying to he eat my, comes, he's trying, someone's trying <laughs> to eat my porridge, you know? <laughs> yeah. So he comes tearing up this ridge and, uh, he immediately starts making this, this scrape. And, um, I come to, you know, the full, full draw on him and, and I shoot and I hit a little too far. I can't remember. Let's see. He was facing that way. So I hit a little too far forward and hit him in the, the shoulder a little bit. And I can see the arrow. It didn't go through. Um, and so instant, like just crushed. Yeah. So I give it some time and, um, I hunt a lot with my dad. So we're searching the area for, you know, all night. Um, come back the next morning. The only thing we found, we found like a speck of blood 
in a scrape, probably about 150, 200 yards away. And so I was like, yeah, this deer is definitely weird. Like, right. he's, he's, already che- he's already checking out scrapes. <laughs> yeah, he went straight to a scrape. Right. And so um, when you follow where he went up, he can go across the creek and, or he can go further into the, to this area that I, that I was hunting. So there's a lot of hunter access and stuff like that to the one side. So I was like, he's not going that way. He's got to be going across this Creek and, and on the other side. And we had zigzagged through that area so much. I basically just drew a huge X through that, Mm -hmm. that spot. Like he wasn't going to be there. So fast forward, like one week, I'm like, well, let me give it a a shot. Like if he's going to be anywhere in this area still, he's going to be in this other, you know, bedding area that I know, which is across the Creek. So I cross the Creek, get into my spot and all of a sudden, you know, probably 30 minutes before, before dark, this deer comes out and he's limping. And I'm like, there's no way this is happening. (laughs) So, um, he gets, he gets probably like 30 yards away and he's not, he's not stopping. So I have to, you know, I don't like to like whistle at a deer or anything like that, but I start, you know, give it a little whistle. He doesn't stop. I start having, I basically was screaming at this deer at one point. Nice. And finally he's, he stops and, uh, got a second shot on him and, uh, he didn't make it very far after the, the, the second. <laughs> the second, the second one worked. <laughs> what, yeah. What uh, what time of year was this? Was this one? Um. So this was the in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, that was that one. No, but what time of year was it? Um, this one was a little. This one was later. This one was maybe in between that first and second rut. Uh, okay. I, yeah. I'd have to look up exactly when. That so, like one middle of was, November, but... essentially, is roughly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So we've knocked three down in a row, and so now we're on to 2021. What happened? What happened with uh, with uh, with this one? So this one was. I almost think it, I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, it was later in the year. I think I shot it like sometime in December. Maybe. Oh, wow. Okay. So late first season. week. So you, December, you've kind of yeah. had like with all four of these, you've had like October, you know, end of October, yeah. right? Like early rut and then late yeah, rut. Yeah. A couple of them were, yeah. A couple of them were right, right in the rut. They were, I mean, cause they were chasing, chasing does and coming through with those. Um, yeah. And the one was right after the rut. And then this one was later season. Um, so yeah, either that first or second week in December. And, um, I had, I had scouted this area the year before and I'm always marking where other hunters and stuff are. Mm -hmm. And there's this one spot and I mark it on the map and I go check it out. And sure enough, there's a a stand up there and I'm like, okay, but I check it out. It looks real old. Mm -hmm. Like no one's been in there for, for a long time. Um, and I think it was after the season too, when I, I was scouting this. And so I had, there was basically like two huge rub lines that basically like intersected and you had two rub lines. You had a transition between like pines and regular hardwoods and just a ton of oaks. 
everywhere. And so um, I marked kind of where I wanted to be. And then I, I stayed out of there until, um, and I, I think I hunted that spot twice. Um, that year I hunted it once in the morning, uh, early, like maybe probably like the 20th of October. Okay. And then, um, didn't see anything in there and then didn't go back in there until again, like the, you know, the first or second week in December. Um, but they were still, uh, hitting acorns. Um, the 2021, we just had a ton of, of acorns. Yeah. Same, this same year, here, but I didn't have any this year. How about you? I, none. Yeah. None. And that was, that was probably one of my not making an adjustment with, with that because I mean, it's basically just, it's where I'm at. The majority of where I'm hunting is just, it all leads up to these, these oak flats and the whole area that I hunt, that's kind of how it is. Right. So you really have to kind of get off the beaten path, but, um, there was just nothing this year as far as, as far as oaks go. Yeah. Um, but again, it's something that, you know, I learned, I kind of know where the deer might be now if we have another scenario where there's no oak. Right. Um, but so, yeah, so I just, I mean, I scouted this spot. I had liked it. Um, you know, ton of good sign and stuff through there. And, uh, it kind of butts up to, I mean, it's pretty far back in. There. So again, it's one of those spots that most people probably aren't going back into. Um, but I got back in there and, uh, there's an area that you can't hunt up to the, the North kind of North and West. Um, and that's where they came from. And so it was three bucks that came off of this ridge. They were all feeding on Oaks and they were bachelored up, um, mid December. Um, which was interesting. And I don't know if they were maybe bachelored up, but they were at least, they were all in one specific area. Right. Um, so they came out and he came up this ridge towards that, towards the like scrape where it intersects or those, those rub lines where they intersect. And, um, he was just feeding on acorns the whole time. They all, all three of the bucks were. And, um, there's probably one in the group that was a little bit bigger, but he wasn't coming over where i was so <laughs> <laughs> yeah the other guy got it so. the other guy he he took the uh he, he <laughs> took, sacrifice yeah, for the he, team, yeah. sacrificial lamb <laughs> man that's awesome dude that's uh, man that's that's a crazy run of, of four years and you did it at like different times of the of the year you know whether it was october prime rut late rut you know late season food chasing you know what i mean like it was all you know, different kind of a, approaches. It, I, I, not that I was glad to hear you didn't have acorns this, this year, but like it, it at least <laughs> like gives me some solace. Cause I, I just, I didn't have any either. And a lot of my spots similar to you, it, it, it we had a very similar story to where, you know, I had that one good encounter. It sounds like you had like a really good kind of like one encounter for the, for this year that just didn't work mm-hmm. out. And then after that, it was, you know, just, I had, I, all the spots that I had kind of earmarked that I knew had good acorns for October just did not produce like not a single one of them. And so I was yeah. chasing then at that point and really was making a plan on the fly. And even then it's like, I was having a hard time even just finding sign. Cause I could not find where like they were wanting to spend time. I just could not find the secondary food source that they were using. You know? Yeah. That, I mean, that was the other, that was the other big issue with it this year is, so I probably wasted most of my 
punts going in and being like, okay, well, let me check this spot. I know there's, you know, oh, oaks. There should 100%. be something dropping here. Yeah. And, but yeah, throughout doing that multiple times, there's also just no sign. Yeah. Um, yeah. so at least where, where I'm at, I think it's very dependent on, you know, on, on oaks and, and things like that, because like I said, there is no agriculture. So right. that's, that's their primary. Yeah, same same here. Like it's you know, there's not really ag around, and so I'm kind of beholden to whatever the whatever the forest is going to going to provide. Yeah. Know? So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, next year that I have a decent acorn crop that I you know can that I can play off of. It makes mm-hmm. makes things a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I've heard people like I've had conversations where they say, "Oh, it's good when there's still be traveling more, and mm-hmm. you know when I." I would be on the other end of the spectrum on that one. Yeah. I think at least if there, at least if there's oaks dropping everywhere, like I can get into a, a, a little spot where there's at least going to be deer there. Yeah. Um, you know, versus I, I don't think they, I think, I don't think they move around. I mean, searching like all these places and just going around trying to find oaks. Like if there's no oaks in that area, they're just, they're all gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, I, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely something to be said. I think it depends on like what types of areas you're hunting. So like the north piece that I hunt that is like that is big woods. Like I don't want a lot of acorns necessarily there because when I find them, because there's not a lot of food there, it's browsed. Like mm-hmm. then like I'm in the money spot. You know what I mean? Like with without yep. a doubt. You know, but the sign is also very sparse up there too. Now locally, mm-hmm. where I typically will have a little bit more sign. You know, I I want. I typically want a bunch of acorns because I'm really hunting in and around like these primary scrape areas. And they typically have like, you know, pretty good acorn drop in and around those areas because it's usually adjacent to dope. and the does want to bed where the food is, you know? And so, yeah. you know, you do the math. One plus one equals two. You got does, you got food, you got a big primary scrape. Boom. You're going to have, you're going to have a buck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's like similar to you, at least around here, it's like, I want a lot of them because the areas that I'm hunting like has, you know, multiple things that all kind of make that spot good. It's not just the acorns. It's like, it's my access with the acorns, with the doe bedding, with a primary scrape and all those things mean that spot. I don't care if there's acorns elsewhere. Like that spot is the spot, you know? Um, I guess it's kind of how I, uh, how I look at it, but well, man, we've been, uh, we've been chatting for a little over an hour, man. I want to be sensitive to your time. I appreciate you coming on and giving me uh, uh, some of your evening to chat deer hunting. Before I let you go, though, if you wouldn't mind, let folks know where they can follow you and find out more about you and, you know, follow along with your, your hunting season this upcoming year. Yeah, so I'm just on uh, Instagram when it comes to, to social media. So the uh, it's uh, Old Dominion BH. So like Virginia, Old Dominion is the, the nickname. So mm-hmm. it's O-L. And then Dominion, and then BH, which is my initials and Bowhunter. So awesome, man! Well, doubles, <laughs> right? Right? Awesome, dude. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, let's make sure to uh, to stay in touch. I might have to shoot you a couple images of that that deer I was chasing, and and uh, so you can see what what had me uh what had me heartbroken uh, not last year but the year before. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, man. It's been fun. 
All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast in hell. While you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. Before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Spartan Forge, Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.